Okay, Grace West, we're going to start uh, turning our attention to God's Word this morning, and if you don't know, we're in the middle of a vision series or a, a, a values series. We're asking the question, what kind of church are we? What kind of church do we want to be? And we've been working through our core values, the things that are important to us. We've looked at, for example, stable growth. That is great uh, growth that's based on God's stabilizing word. We've looked at close growth. That was last week. And uh, this morning, we're going to be thinking about slow growth, slow growth. And uh, you'll understand what that means in just a few minutes. But uh, before I get to the teaching of God's word, first, we have to hear the reading of God's word. And here to read is Carol. Good morning. Today's scripture is taken from Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Carol. So... I recently heard that Amazon is now delivering packages by drones. Have you heard this? Okay. I uh, I was surprised. I was a little surprised. And, and a bit skeptical. So I went on YouTube and uh, it's true. Amazon is now delivering packages by drones. I saw it. I saw a drone whizzing through the air. I saw it drop a package in someone's backyard, and then it whizzed away. It's true. And, uh, you know, it's funny because it used to be, remember, remember, remember that thing called same day delivery when it first came out? Remember how excited we all were, how amazed we were? Well, apparently same day delivery is no longer fast enough. Now it's one hour delivery and one has to wonder what's next. Amazon says that by the end of the decade, they will have, they will be able to uh, send 500 million packages by drone annually by the end of the decade. And what's crazy is that Amazon is actually way behind other companies. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine drones whizzing through the air and dropping off whatever it is you, you've ordered right in your backyard within the hour. I, I'm not down on technological <laughs> development. I, I really am not. I drove here this morning. I, I like driving. I'm just wondering where, when did everything get so fast? is what I've been thinking about. When did everything become so fast? Everything is fast. Fast food, fast fashion, high-speed internet. Everything is fast. It just seems like we're addicted to speed in our culture. 
we, we've become habituated to fast. And it seems to me that that kind of ethos has crept not only into Western culture, but into the Western church and into our own hearts as well. The slogans of efficiency, productivity, and immediate results is not just the slogans of our culture. It's, it's the slogans. They are the slogans of our very hearts. Do you agree? I mean, think about the last time you were impatient because things weren't moving quickly enough. When was that? This morning. And if it wasn't this morning, it was last night. Trust me, it's, a, it's amazing how impatient we have become. I was in Orangeville a couple weeks ago with my dad, my 90-year-old dad, and I'm trying to hurry him through the grocery store to get the groceries done. And, you know, he said to me, Kieran, I come here for two reasons. The first reason is to talk to people. And I just, when do things become so fast? Now listen, I, I think that that problem has crept into the church, this, this need for speed. Um, the passage that we're looking at this morning in Acts chapter 2, for example, it's a story of amazing growth, explosive growth, where people hear the gospel and like around 3,000 people come to faith in one day. And so there are times and seasons where you do get explosive growth, but you look at the passage that we're looking at this morning and things slow down. I mean, you still see growth. People were coming to faith. They were being added to the church every day. There, there's, there's growth, but you know what? It's not the same kind of growth as on the day of Pentecost. Things slow down. Growth slows down, and that's Okay. What I want to see this morning is that that slow growth, slow spiritual growth, is actually really normal. And actually, it's it's one more thing. It's it's a community endeavor. So first, slow growth is is normal growth. Now I know the idea of slow growth doesn't jump off the page of the passage that we're looking at this morning. But there are some clues, let's say. There are some clues here that the early church that we're looking at in our passage experienced some kind of slow growth, slow spiritual growth. Let me give you those clues. I think they're here. For one, there's no number given. In verse 41, which is the verse right before this period that we're looking at this morning, it drops the number around 3,000. That number does not show up in our passage. Here's what I think. I think that what happened on the day of Pentecost was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. It was so extraordinary, so unusual, that somebody said, something unusual is happening here. Something extraordinary. We should count. And so they counted. But you don't see a number throughout the rest of these verses here that we're looking at. This long period of time. Why? Because things became very normal. They became day to day. Pentecost happens one day, but the rhythm of our passage is day after day, every day. There's a shift. 
Don't you see? From the day of Pentecost to day after day, every day, over a long period of time, there's a shift. And I want to just geek out for a second on the Greek. The Greek was the language the New Testament was written in, yes? All of the verbs in this passage are the imperfect. Let's go back to high school. The imperfect verb. All of these verbs, they devoted themselves to all of those things, imperfect verb. Everyone was filled with awe, imperfect verb. They were together when they prayed. They were together in their houses. Everything is construed, is written with the imperfect verb. What is the imperfect verb? This is important. The imperfect verb is in actions that took place in the past that were continuous and repetitive and ongoing. All of the actions that you see here in this passage, which is a summary, uh, a prolonged period of time, are all in the imperfect. It means that these are the things that they did every day, all the time, over a long period of time. There's a day-to-dayness about what we see here in the early church. And I think there needs to be a day-to-dayness about the way that we understand the Christian faith and the way that we grow in the Christian faith. Here's what God's Word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we, we don't lose heart. Why not? Though the outer person is wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed, hear this, day by day. How many of you are feeling a little older this morning? Yeah. How many of you have gray hair on your head that wasn't there last year? How many of you don't have gray hair on your head that was there? You know, the lines are showing up. The creases are happening. We're decaying. (laughs) Be encouraged. You're decaying today. That's what scripture says. And yet, at the same time, and really at the same pace, if that's possible, we are also being renewed. We're being restored. We're growing. We're growing kind of at the same pace that we're dying, which is what? Every single day. That is a slow pace. It's a slow pace. Slow growth is normative. When Jesus himself talked about spiritual growth, he talked about it in parables, and he would often talk about spiritual growth as a plant, a green organic thing. And green organic things grow slowly. They start small. They grow. They grow in stages. They grow over time. Growth in the spiritual life is slow growth. Why? Why does it have to be that spiritual growth is slow? Why? I think there are a few reasons. Slow growth is actually how you grow strong. Did you know that? It's how you grow strong. I want you for a moment to think of something that grows quickly. Think of anything 
that has any kind of substance and grows quickly, what is it? Name one thing of any substance that grows quickly. Okay. Bacteria. Yeah, you know what? I actually Googled this. Things that grow quickly. And here's what I came up with. Bacteria was at the top of the list. Um, mushrooms, weeds, fungus. Now, these, these are not strong things. These are things, maybe a bacteria site, you can just kick over. They're weak. But things that grow slowly tend to grow strongly. They do. That's just the sort of the reality of, of slow growth. Um, let me give you an example. I did something this week that I haven't done in something like 20 years. I picked up my violin. About 20 years ago, I started taking violin lessons. Took them for like three years. Now, the thing about the violin is that you can't fake it. You can fake the piano. Sorry for you piano player. You can kind of fake the piano. You can kind of fake the guitar. You can't fake the violin. It is the most punishing and unforgiving instrument. Have you ever heard someone begin to play the violin? It's horrible. Like there, There's no questioning that you are a newbie when it comes to the violin, you know? And when I started playing violin, it was terrible. It was horrible. It was scratchy, discordant, and uh, off tune. And But, you know, over three years of just going at it every single week in slow, bite-sized increments, I became not terrible. And 20 years later, I picked the thing up. And guess what? I wasn't good. But I wasn't bad. Like, you could tell that I maybe had played the violin in the past because you can't play a violin, you know, if you haven't played it before and sound good. You just can't. And there are things in your life just like that that you have been working on and you've been growing and you've been developing, but it's, a, it's over a long time. And why do we expect the Christian life to be any different? You know, we're this, we're this organism. We're not a machine. We, you know, we've been rooted in Christ and we grow slowly. We grow slowly over a long period of time. And I think that means, well, I think that means that we, we live dependently then. We do. We've got to live dependently. I mean, there are things in our life that we want changed and we want them changed now. There is sin we want to be done with. We want faith that can move mountains. We want to be able to face trials, like, heroically. But we don't want to be where we are. And there's something okay with that. But if we think that we should be at a point of complete and ultimate maturation right now, you're going to be discouraged because that's not how it works. And what that means is that in those gaps and in those holes of holiness and sanctification, we realize our need for grace, don't you see? And what's beautiful as we turn to God and as he gives us that grace, we find him participating with us in our growth and development and maturation, and it's intimate. And he's looking for that, don't you see?
He wants intimacy. Slow growth, it makes us stronger, and it, it, it helps us to depend on God. But you know what? It also means that eventually there will be fruit. If the growth is slow, the fruit will come. We have an apple tree in our backyard. I did some research on it. Do you know how long it takes for an apple tree to eventually bear fruit from the time it's planted? Any ideas? It's two to ten years, so you're right. It's right in there. It takes a while. It does. When growth is done well, when it is strong, it is complex and it is nuanced. And it takes time. You've got to go through certain stages. Don't you find that? Plants have to go through various stages before they can go on to the the next stage and eventually get to the fruit. That's the reality of the Christian life. And all of this means a couple of things. One is we've got to be patient with our growth. I know we want to change. We want to change overnight. We want instant sanctification. We want instant maturation. We, We want these things. But the reality is that God knows how to grow us, and Christians are slowly grown. God is interested in growing something very complex, like I said, nuanced. At 55, I am now learning things that I just could not have appreciated or understood when I was younger. It took like 30 years of walking with Christ to sort of get certain things that I couldn't have gotten before. And it took a lot of time and some hard-earned trials to understand things like what? How about just like the love of God? I, I, I don't, I'm not saying I completely get the love of God. In many ways, I don't, but I understand it now in a way I just didn't back when I was 20 years old and a brand new Christian. But God is patient, and he just grows us and grows us slowly, but steadily and surely and strongly and dependently and fruitfully. And over time, it's amazing, we grow. Growth in the spiritual life is slow, and that's okay. Maybe we have to readjust our expectations. Maybe we have to practice patience. And maybe we have to learn to just enjoy the ride. You're not, not so fixed on the destination that we, we don't see the process. Or enjoy the process. Hey, every day, you're being changed. That's what God's word promises. Every day, you may not see it, may not feel it, may not experience, it may not be evident to you. But God's word says day by day, you're being renewed and restored. And there's glory in that. And the angels, I think, are just craning their necks to look in and see the glory that is being worked out as God transforms you day by day. And they're just there. Is there a place to simply pause along the journey and thank God and enjoy the work that he's doing? Where we're not in such a rush that we just miss, miss it all. It's got to be slow. And there's nothing wrong with slow growth. It's, it's normative. 
We see this worked out right here in our passage as the growth of the church kind of slows down. And then it really slows down because all these people eventually went home. They weren't from there. And they went back to their communities and lived very normal lives. Lives just like you. Slow. It's okay. Actually, it's good. Actually, it's normal. Well, too, it's not just normal, but it's, it's communal. It's actually how we grow. We grow in, in community. Slow growth is community growth. And that truth, I think, just leaps off the passage that we're looking at this morning. Because everything that we see here, everything that we see here in this passage is about community. Everything. They did everything together. They were together all the time. Together, it says. All the time. All the time. Everyone was together. And everything they did, they did together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to uh, the breaking of bread and prayers. And they were together. There's a togetherness. Not just an everydayness, but a togetherness to this early New Testament community. And, and everything that they did took time. Do you know that? Like it, it took time to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They didn't just like listen to a podcast and then you know they were gone. They would talk about it. You know they would think about the implications. They did this in community, and then they they spent time in community. It says they devoted themselves to the to 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 the fellowship. They hung out together. They were with each other. And they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. That takes time and the prayers. They would actually go to the temple four times a day. Those were the hours of prayer. And they would go there and they would come back to one another's homes and they would eat and they would make meals. And it was just, it was slow. But as they did those things, as they practiced those values, they changed. But the change you see, it comes in community. This is an absolutely communal passage. There's nothing individualistic about this. I'm not saying there isn't something personal about the Christian life, but that's not the priority. That's not the stamp of the New Testament. They were together. Because when you are born again, you're born into a family. You're born into a community. The New Testament really knows very little about individual Christian living. It's about being part of a body. And the early church was part of a body. And everything they did, they did together. And everything they did together, they did slowly because those things were by nature slow things. And as they practiced slow growth and slow living, they were changed day by day. I want to drill down for a few minutes before I end on one of these components of the early church. They broke bread together. They ate. Want to talk about food? Let's talk about food. The early church ate together. They broke bread together. That was a kind of catch-all for just eating together. 
In an age of fast food, um, we've just, in many ways, lost the sense of what it means to eat together as a church, as Christians. Something happens when we actually sit down and we, we eat with each other. It's true. It just, it, it slows you right down and you've got to see each other. You talk to each other. You open your, your life up. You share stories. You talk about what the Lord is doing. It changes you. I'm not surprised that they were changed as they broke bread together. You do grow as you move towards each other and we break bread together. I think that means a few things practically. For one, it means that we need, we need to invite one another into our lives and into our homes to break bread. Or invite yourself over to some... I invite myself over to people's homes all the time. And you say, well, if that's fine, you're a pastor. Listen, it's true. But if I wasn't a pastor, I would still invite myself over to your house for dinner. I would. I, I think that we, we need to kind of rediscover the art of home fellowship, where we're bringing and asking people to come into our homes and we, we make a, a meal for people and we sit down and we talk and we share our lives, we share our stories, and we find encouragement in the gospel. I grew up in a family, I don't know if you did, where we ate dinner together. Any of you ate dinner together? Yeah. It was a rule. And it's a practice that we've carried on in our family. But there have been seasons when we, we haven't eaten together. We've just turned on Netflix and, and sat down. We've, we've eaten in front of Netflix. And in those times, I knew nothing about anything that was going on in anyone's life, in my family. Periodically, we have got to come back to the table before we go to Netflix. And it's in those moments that we actually see each other and hear each other and we share and we connect. I want to, I want to encourage you to think about this, to think about what it could look like for you to be a person who invites people into your life and into your house and where you make a meal and you just sit down and talk and you are known and you know. And it doesn't have to be difficult. Look, it says they broke bread. I mean, I know that's a catch-all, but at the very least, they broke bread. I mean, how complicated does this have to be? On Sunday evenings at our house, we have Sunday soup. Somebody brings over a pot of soup and some bread, and we call that dinner, and it is. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to spend hours getting ready. Just put some bread on the table and butter, <laughs> and call it dinner. It doesn't have to be that hard. But the thing, well, maybe, maybe more than bread and butter. Bread and... Oh, come on. Lasagna, something. something. But the point is, we slow down, and we, we hear and we see each other. Now, look, at, I know that might be difficult for some. Fine. But what about your small groups? Because we have small groups here. And some, how many of you eat together on a weekly basis? Wow. <laughs> how many of you are in a small group that meets? Okay. 
I'm not saying every week, but maybe periodically consider making a meal and sitting down and talking. Things slow down. It's good. It's good. And what about here on a Sunday? You know, we used to, there was a day when we would periodically have meals together as a church. And we would just go into a cafeteria and people would bring food and we would just eat together and we would talk and we would get to know one another, you know, and you would get to know new people and you would get to be known. We can't do that here because they won't let us eat food. Fine. I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. What about, what about here right now? I mean, we have a table before us. And I know it's not a, a huge meal. It's not really a huge meal at all. But you know, there was a day when Jesus took his disciples and it, they did eat a meal. And Jesus said, a day is coming when you're going to eat a new meal in the new heavens and the new earth. And you're going to sit down. We're going to feast in the house of Zion. It's going to be a long Delicious, lingering meal. No rush. No drones. I know there'll be no drones. I can't imagine there'll be drones. Slow. Leisurely. Knowing, being known. Seeing Jesus. Being seen by Jesus. And then he just, he took, he took bread and a glass of wine and he took the bread and he broke it and said this this is my body that's broken for you and when dinner was done he took a cup and they all drank from it and he said this is the new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins and guess what that day's coming friends when we'll eat anew This is preparatory. It's taking us somewhere. And here in this place, we, we slow down long enough to see this bread broken and this blood spilt for us. We remember that Christ himself came to this world, lived his entire life. It was never in a rush. It was never in a hurry was quite okay to be interrupted, was quite okay to be delayed, had all the time in the world for people. And he's got time for you this morning. And he wants to grow you. And you'll grow. You'll grow as you meet with him over this table. How, you may not know. That's okay. He knows. But he wants you to know you're loved. And he wants you to know that he did everything to secure your salvation and everything to grow you and grow you to maturity and grow you to perfection. Let this meal this morning encourage your hearts on the journey as we plod, as we walk one foot in front of the other, as we move directionally towards that house of Zion and to the feast of God. Come this morning. 
You who are trusting in Christ, come, you who have been baptized, come and feed on the one who gave his body for you, who broke his body, whose blood was spilled for you. Eat, feed, be strengthened, and grow. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning because you know exactly how to grow us. And you are so patient. And the growth that you are bringing into the lives of your dear children is so beautiful and complex and nuanced that you are strengthening us day by day and helping everything that we are to be more integrated in the faith you've given us. And Father, you're growing our affections for you and you're growing a distaste for things that are ugly and you're growing a hunger for things that are beautiful. Father, you will grow us and you will have worshipers. And we thank you, Father, that that is the direction of our lives. Thank you for the day-to-dayness of the Christian life. We pray this meal this morning will encourage us on the journey. Some this morning, Father, need this meal more than they know. Some are at a place of deep discouragement and, and great darkness. Some this morning, Father, don't even know if you're there or maybe even exist. Their faith has grown weak and their faith has been weakened by the the difficulty and the pain of this life. They need this meal. There are some this morning, Father, who um, just need to see a visual picture of your love. There are some, Father, who have friends, Father, who are struggling, who maybe don't know you, who are floundering in their faith. And we pray, Father, that you would make them strong this morning so that they could turn to you and seek grace for them. Father, we come in many different situations. May this meal encourage us this morning. May Christ, your son, encourage us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.